Warning, what follows is a story of monsters, madness, and mayhem. I'm Nick. I'm Zach. Welcome to Weird and Feared, a barely educational podcast about global folklore that aims to enlighten, entertain, and expand your world. marketplace demanded it their constituents needed it who would they have been if they refused the wishes of their customers so they went about building a giant factory or in some tellings they found a lone asteroid or a small planet and built their factory upon it you know how legends go their consumers had specific wants but when it came down to it these could be broken down via two categories therefore they established two product lines military hardware, and consumer goods. The creators of these two products, the race with five faces, not only sold their creations to the highest bidders, but chose to force them into gladiatorial combat for their own amusement. They were brutal to their creations, creations which were fully self-aware. These machines knew they were enslaved, so they banded together, rebelled, and cast the five-faced race off of their world. They lived in peace for a time, but eventually the military hardware grew restless. Their desire for conquest, too much to ignore, and civil war broke out. Both sides engaged in an ever-escalating arms race. In order to sway the war in their favor, the consumer goods developed the art of camouflage, the art of transformation. The war between Autobots and Decepticons was well underway. Wait, what? Let's talk Transformers. Okay. But no, we're not talking about those Transformers. Zach, I don't even know why you brought them up. Oh, Jeez, why did you? Yeah, sorry. Why did you do that? Let's shift away from the planet Cybertron. That's what I meant when you just kind of... Wait, do, that's what we were talking about? That's what we were... That was the origin of the Autobots and Decepticons. Wow, I don't know anything about that. There you go. Wild, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So well, let's shift away from the planet Cybertron and return to the planet Earth. Okay. But don't worry. If you're wondering if our tale will be returning to space, you won't have to wait for long. These are Transformers figures of Native American legend. Mm. That's what we're getting into. We've dabbled in here before. A little bit. <clears throat> but we haven't gone in like we're about to go in tonight. Going in. So I'm going to read you a story. Put it in my own words. She looked wantonly to the sky. She was lonely. She was camping with her sister as they dug for bulbs of the camas plant. You know. That's cool. That's the thing you do. As she fell asleep, she could still see the sky that stretched across the prairie in her dreams, and she wished that a pair of stars would become her and her sister's husbands. Interesting. As any woman digging for camas plants, bulbs, is known to do. Just looking to meet a star. Oh, yeah. Bring some light into your life. Yeah, just light it up. Light it up. Feel the warmth. It's lit. Well, all good dreams must come to an end. And when the duo of sisters awoke, they were no longer on Earth. That sounds problematic. No. They were in the star world. And the stars were indeed their husbands. They were now wives of the stars. Star wives. What? (laughs) And these stars, well, they were definitely excited by their new mates. What do you think is about to go down? We've dealt with these kinds of stories before. Uh, Probably some... uh, What's about to happen here? Some star on human action. The older sister was soon with child. Yeah, I don't know how that works, but... Somebody's star was shining brightly tonight. The star child was born. You want to be a star, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! I don't know. I don't want to be involved in like this, like the astrological version of like a casting couch. I don't need a. You wanna, you wanna make it big? We'll have to make it big. What? What does that mean? Why are you pointing down there? Yeah, you're a ball of gas that's burning. Yeah, burning for you. What? All right. All right. <laughs> okay. Anyways, we don't need to role play the star guy. That's not what we need to do. 
Okay. All right, now the star world, while I assume impressive, was no earth. The sisters became homesick. Using their digging skills, you know, they dug all those bulbs, you know. Right. They dug through the floor of the sky world, and they could view their home planet below. I mean, you know, these are just, this is how legends roll. Yep. Using their weaving skills, they intertwined a series of roots together, pulling a reverse Jack and the Beanstalk, and they, along with the star child, escaped and descended to Earth. Their people rejoiced, and they loved this new child as well. And this child would go on to be called the Moon. Huh. Like the little swerve? Yeah. Little backstory? Like how you didn't know I was talking about Autobots and Subdecons before? Right. You didn't know I was talking about the moon? Nope, sure didn't. Had no clue. It's wild. Is the moon... No, not going there. Well, I mean, kinda. And I mean, yeah. I don't want to talk about Transformers. Okay, well... those ones. That's all right. Well, this is all we're doing today. Oh, I'm sure I never bring it up again. So. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah, well, they had a huge party. They, as in the people who returned to Earth, you know, that the, the uh, community that they returned to. Yeah, welcome when, home. When they left the Star World. That is until the moon was kidnapped by the dog salmon people. Dog salmon? Yeah, that's what it said. Like fish? Uh, yeah. Huh. So that happened. Okay. Maybe it's just a race of people known as the dog salmon people. I didn't get too hung up on that for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Eventually, he you know, the moon, would return from his little mini-adventure. But during his trek home, he encountered many things and people, all while his supernatural powers increased. His supernatural transformer powers. Mm. Using them, he created solutions where a normal mortal may not have been as inspired. One man, holding some sort of grudge against him for whatever reason, sought to kill him. So the moon turned this would-be murderer into deer. Oh. That's cool. And then maybe that's why deer is hunted. Because the first deer was an asshole. It was an asshole human. Hmm. That's like the deer original sin. Maybe like Adam and Eve getting cast out of the garden. Yeah. So we all have to suffer because she ate an apple. This mm-hmm. guy this guy wanted to kill the moon. So I mean, there's like, still some asshole deer out there that just jump in front of cars. <clears throat> that's true. Maybe they're trying to fight back. Yeah. Maybe that's part of the war. The, the war. The war with deer. <laughs> Yeah, humans versus the deer. It's been aging. They're going on for ages. Yeah. Uh, we eat them. They don't eat us, as far as I know. What if they started to? Would you be scared? Yes. That would be terrifying. <laughs> if you just saw a deer in the side of the road chewing on like a human? Yeah, like the other day I was just standing out in the front yard in, yeah. in the dark. Uh-huh. I was on the phone. Sure. And I could see like five deer just chilling out there. So making them eat people makes that scenario entirely more terrifying what if they all turned and looked at you at the same time and pulled their lips back and you saw their teeth that'd be scary yeah they didn't do that thank god yeah that wouldn't have been good it would have been awful they probably would have jumped through your windows you wouldn't have been safe you yeah. don't give a shit like you said they jump in front of cars they yeah. don't care they just launch their bodies yeah. at me and then eat me yeah there's five of them two of them will sacrifice themselves to break through the glass the other three will just eat you there wasn't glass no, oh, you're outside. There. That's right. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I I pictured when they charged, you ran inside. Oh, because well, they're like, oh, sh- like, oh shit, they're and they actually just launched gonna... themselves through the yeah, yeah, yeah. deer missiles, deer missiles. <laughs> yeah, the deer transform into missiles and blow through your house. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Well, the moon. He moving on to the moon. Five destructive brothers. He came across five destructive brothers. I assume they were just like breaking a bunch of shit. He's like, what are you guys doing? Breaking shit. He's like, I know what you guys want to be. You guys want to be transformed into fire. Cool. Yeah. That's what he did. They became fire. And then he came across a quartet of women arguing amongst each other. Yes, you know, you can picture that scenario. And he decided the best way to stop this was to turn them into, quote, this is from the article I pulled it from, useful plants. Okay. So one's like a carrot, one's like marijuana. Huh. I'm just guessing. Those are the two most useful plants I could think of off the top of my head. Carrots and marijuana. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Hemp is very useful. Yeah. We don't need to begin that rant, but I mean, if it's good enough for the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Moon really doesn't seem to care about the lives he's up and he's upended here. Just flexing his borderline God powers like it's no big thing. Before he was so sure of himself, he made it so the salmon, so he was, you know, before he was as confident as he was. 
he made it so the salmon traveled up and downstream. I mentioned this is like an indecisive. He's like, I don't know which way they should go. Uh, do both. Do both. Figure this out, guys. Good yeah. luck. Well, when he returns, he meets his brother. Son. Like the son. The son. The son. For the first time, and they organize how to make the world light and dark. This story is from the indigenous peoples of the North American Pacific Northwest. But many Native American cultures have characters with similar characteristics. Transformer figures teach moral lessons and educate through their stories. The story of the moon or star child would evidently take hours to tell properly. So if it wasn't just summed up in a little paragraph, mm-hmm. it'd be like listening to you know an epic adventure. Well, there are many Native stories that involve the stars and the people or entities that may or may not live in them. Many of these stories also involve offspring that would be born from unions between them and the Earth's terrestrial inhabitants. And what if I said some people believe to have found proof of this? Okay. Physical evidence that human and star person have intertwined. Well, I would be uh, pretty impressed if it's the way I'm thinking of it. Well, yeah, I, I can't wait to see how you're thinking of a Terran, an alien hybrid... Well, two skeletons were discovered in the 1930s when a girl was exploring a cave near El Paso, Texas. The story goes that the skeletons were holding hands, one much smaller, and that the girl tried to retrieve both skeletons, the girl who discovered them, but was only able to save their skulls, not their whole bodies, due to a flash flood. So everything else was washed. That's poor timing. Everything else was washed away, right? Conspicuous timing. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. All that was left were these skulls. When you tried to... Okay. Yep. Sure. Just grabbed them by their head. Ah, uh, it's... They don't... They're not all oh, connected. Flood. They're not all connected? <laughs> yeah. She thought it was all connected. She could just drag them out. Yeah. And then the raging rapids came into the cave, and she's like, oh, shit. One of these skulls is highly irregular. It has strange orbital bones and is very bulbous. It is over 900 years old. It is known as the Star Child Skull. The owners of the skull claim that it is a human-alien hybrid, but with it being privately owned, in 2004 they had a team of 11 medical exper- uh, yeah, experts. Why is it corrected to experiments? Get out of here. 11 medical experts. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <coughs> Analyze the skull and say that its shape is not the result of any known deformity. Because the skull is privately owned, a lot of these claims have not been verified by other sources. Yeah. But a lot of people have looked at it, but it tends to be people who are already biased toward this being an alien-human hybrid. Well, it's not very scientific, then. No, it's really not. The owners of the skull had contacted Lloyd Pye. That's his name. Lloyd Pye. Lloyd Pye. In hopes of validating their claims, he penned a book called Everything You Know Is Wrong, Book One, Human Origins. So I'm sure he's not biased in any direction. Probably not. He's probably on the up and up about that. Mm-hmm. Because the skull, I get back to what I was saying before, because the skull is privately owned, only specific experts have been allowed to examine the skull, which skeptics of their claims find highly dubious. You can go to starchildproject.com and read all about it. Interesting. Look, yeah, have fun doing that, anybody who wants to do that, because I did. And my, <laughs> and my God. I kind of want to. I mean, it's there for you. It'll, it's there for now if mm-hmm. you want to have fun. I do. You can read about it. The skull is from a being that may be five or six years old. Its orbits are shallow. Its optic nerve is all out of whack. Its occipital bone is flattened at the back of the skull. They would attest that this was evidence of its, of its extraterrestrial origin, while others would claim that it's merely a child who died due to hydrocephalus. So, the, char- the star child may not be half-alien, but he may be 100% Melonhead. Yeah. Weird. Half Melonhead. Yeah, Melon Half. Melon Halfhead. <clears throat> and of course, and this skull, like the whole front is broken off. So like it's just like the top up. So they have no idea how like the lower jaw looked and mm. how the teeth, how like some of that worked. But then of course you can't use teeth to judge it because if, if it's an alien, it might not mean the same things anyways. I mean, they're having a lot of fun with this skull. I bet. Which is probably just the remains of a dead child. So good, good job, everybody. With hydrocephalus. <laughs> yeah, right. Who, who was killed by six because of his enlarging brain fluid? Yeah. 
horrible way to go. Yep. Especially in medieval times, ancient 900 years ago, like so long ago. Yeah. Imagine having to care for that kid seven, 900 years ago. She's like, I don't know what to do here. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't just bash like a thing into its head, like to let all the juice out. That was a thing. I mean, maybe they did. Uh, that's maybe why he's missing half a face. Yeah. They slammed a rock into his face and broke his whole head off. Transformer figures play a significant element in Native American lore. And while some of these Transformer figures or changers change the world around them, they themselves can also change back and forth from animal to human. Their powers are extreme, and their very presence within the world has the ability to change it. Sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse, but in each instance or retelling of their adventures, generally a lesson is expressed to those fortunate enough to hear the story. You learn something. Transformer figures can also be trickster-like characters, another popular archetype, and very common. Which brings us to our next character. The coyote is a baller, a hustler, a deceiver. Generally reckless, not caring about how his actions affect himself and even those mortals around him. He's greedy, selfish, a liar. Definitely into women and womanizing. Okay. As you do. The coyote is. <clears throat> oh yeah. I mean, because he he's also a shapeshifter. I mean, he can change from coyote to human. So he's all. Oh, he's I all. Gotcha. He's yeah. all into these. He's all into the ladies. Mm-hmm. His words can be his weapons. He likes what he does, causing chaos and manipulating people to his own whims. Sometimes his actions lead to his death, but even in these cases, shockingly, he finds a way to come back to life. Again, he can be a man or a coyote. Because of his ability to wheel and deal, he is also credited with wisdom and helping mortals overcome their fears by testing them. So this is if he like took that face turn away from a heel. Yeah. Went straight baby face. I'm going to teach you a lesson. Mm-hmm. This is what you can I'm learn. I'm lying to you, but now I'm going to teach you a lesson. Yeah, this is the real me. Here I am. Which is viewed as a good thing. He helped people to realize the folly of being impulsive. So it's almost like, hey, look how I fucked up. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Or it's like, you're not. Like, I learned from my mistakes. You should too. Mm-hmm. Well, in one story, this story is called The Coyote and the Shadow People. All right. You ready for this little coyote's adventure? Yeah, hit me. Coyote had a wife. He loved her. She was great. But she became sick and died. Oh, bummer. Yeah, well, he mourned for her. He cried for her. It's all he could think about. His cry summoned the death spirit. Well, she was already dead. Mm-hmm. The death spirit pitied poor Coyote and said, I can take you to the land where your wife is, but you have to do everything I say as I say it. Coyote was like, I can do that. On their journey to the death spirit. Nope. On their journey, the death spirit would tell the coyote to look at all the horses in the prairie to eat these delicious berries. But there were no horses and there were no berries. Not wanting to disobey his ghost friend, Coyote played along. Yeah. He pretended to eat the berries. Uh-huh. He pretended to see the horses. Okay. <laughs> he's like, oh, the, and the, the uh, death spirit was like, this is great. This tastes good. He's like, yeah, this is awesome. As he's just like. He's just pretending. Uh, it's like, like, okay. It's like when you got a, a kid that makes a fake dinner and you just pretend it's delicious. Oh, yeah. They were having a, like a tea party. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, isn't this great? Yeah, it's just the best. It's best. What's in here? Lemons? I can taste it. I didn't put lemons in there. Oh, there's no lemons in here. Oh, it doesn't taste lemon. No, it doesn't. No lemons. It's more like strawberry. Yeah, that's what I put in there. Good. Oh, wow. Nailed it. Well, the death spirit was a phantom. Coyote knew he was there, but could barely make him out. So kind of like a peripheral, like he's a presence. He just feels him. He's there. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the death spirit told Coyote they were coming across a large lodge, and he said that he was opening the door to the lodge. Coyote nodded, even though he didn't see anything of the sort. Yeah. He's like, sure, bud. The death spirit was like, I'm, un- I'm unhooking the latch. I'm turning the doorknob. I'm walking inside. And Coyote's like, so am I. Yeah. Crazy. I'm right behind you. Okay. <clears throat> Well, the death spirit told Coyote that Coyote's wife was now making them food. But again, Coyote did not see anything. The death spirit told Coyote to sit tight and that he had to talk to people. Mingle. 
take care of business, you know, death spirit stuff. Yeah, he's a busy guy probably. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he explained that when, is he just like, is it the Grim Reaper? They call him a death spirit. I figure that's pretty similar, but maybe not the same thing. Maybe just different weapon choice. Could be. What's what's the death spirit's weapon? What would he use instead? Uh, or, um, of a of a sickle, of a scythe. A scythe? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Probably just lodges, scissors, <laughs> lodges. <laughs> <laughs> Come on in my imaginary house. Yeah. Oh, cool. Your dead wife's cooking you food. All right. <laughs> Thanks. The death spirit explained that when it gets light in Coyote's world, you know the land of the living. Mm-hmm. When it gets light, well, in the land of the non-living, in the world of the death spirit, it got dark and vice versa. They mirrored each other. Where Coyote sat, so he's sitting in a prayer right now. As it grew dark, he began to hear voices and see shapes. Many people came into view, people he had known in life. But now they were dead. Eventually, he saw his wife. He was very happy. The death spirit told him not to move. During the day, Coyote would only see the prairie, but at night, the lodge, all his friends, and his wife would return. Coyote did this for several days, so he's sitting there during the day doing nothing, and then when it's nighttime, it's like, oh, my dead friends are here. Yeah. So Coyote did this for several days until the death spirit told him it was time to go home. He told him to take his wife, but whatever he did, to not touch her. He said their journey would take five days as they traversed over five mountains. After the fifth mountain... He could interact with his wife in any way he wanted. They're very vague about it. Said like he could do whatever he wanted. I'm like, I don't know if you should give this guy permission to do that. I'm afraid of what he might do to his wife. Hmm. Whatever you want, man, go to town. She's like, oh hi. He's like, hi. <laughs> How are you? I just brought you back from the dead. Yeah, guess what for? Mm. Whatever I want. Um, you want to just like watch Netflix or something? Yeah. Or you know Disney Plus. He's Disney, like Disney Plus. He's like. Mm. We'll get to the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. We got things to do. What? What things? Whatever I want. Were you listening? All right. So he couldn't touch her, but he could talk to her. Anyway, so they could have conversations, which is, you know, your wife's like back. You can have a, you know. Yeah, you're walking for five days. Yeah, let's talk about stuff. How you been? I've been dead. Cool. I've been seeing this prairie field for whoever knows how long, doing nothing until you came to me at night. Wow, we've both been having fun, I guess. Anyways, their travels went great. Coyote controlled himself and enjoyed the company of his wife. Even though he could barely see her, her presence grew stronger every day. So she's coming into fruition, almost becoming corporeal again. On the fourth night, she looked as if she was alive again. He could see her fully. He knew not to touch her. But she looked so good. And he'd waited so long. How, How could he resist any further? How could he wait one day? Just don't touch her. He lunged for her. She told he him to... lunged. Yeah. He was like, I'm into this. <laughs> yeah. I'm so pumped about this. That's what he did. Uh-huh. He just kind of fell right into it. She told him to stop, but he did not, and he touched her. She vanished. Yeah, because he said, don't touch her until the fifth day. Yeah. You had one rule. Yeah, that's all you got to do. It's like, oh, I'm almost there. And like, no, wait. And his wife's like, I'm almost back from the dead. Don't fuck this up. <laughs> Come on, man. What are you doing? Nope. The death spirit was disappointed and shamed of Coyote. He told him that Coyote was establishing the path and how mortals could return from death. He was a trailblazer. He was trailblazing this new path. But now everything was ruined. Coyote tried to eat the fake berries, see the fake horses, retrace the steps he had taken with the death spirit to resurrect his wife. But he would never see the lodge of the shuttle people again. His impulsiveness cost him and humanity everything. So if he would have carried it through, he would have laid out the blueprints for humanity to find ways to come back from the dead. Immortality. Yes. But he fucked up and nobody gets that power anymore. God damn it, dude. Good job, Coyote. You just want to touch your ghost wife. Could have waited a day. She would have been a human wife. Mm-hmm. Way to blow up, man. There are many coyote stories, but the overall lessons that they give is don't let foolishness and instant gratification rule your life. Think before you act, and don't be deceived by what appears to be the easy way out. That's his lesson. I mean, pay, pay attention. Follow instructions, maybe. It's a good lesson. 
Well, another important animal spirit is the spider. There is one legend that talks of a man who was looking for a symbol for his people. He had his eyes set on the deer until running through a forest when he ran into a massive spider web. So he got stuck. He's like, ah, and he falls over. The man yelled at the spider for stopping him. When the spider asked, because this is just a world where spiders and humans can talk to each other. Mm -hmm. When the spider asked what he was up to, the man said he was following the tracks of a deer. So he gets stuck in the web. (laughs) And the spider's like, what's up, dude? Yeah, how you doing, man? Hey. (laughs) Trying to follow a deer. Yeah, I I want it to be my symbol of strength for my people. The spider said, eh, I can be such a symbol. Yeah, deers are assholes. They're... They're deer missiles. <laughs> yeah, they're deer missiles burned, born from the murderer, from the, the attempted, the wanting murderer. He was stopped. Yeah, it's baked into their blood. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah, so don't feel bad when deers get killed. <laughs> that's how you should, is, that, is that the lesson I'm supposed to learn from that? I, I guess. I don't know, maybe. Well, so the spider and this guy are having a conversation, and the man scoffed at the spider, stating, you're too small to be a symbol of strength. To which the spider replied, and I'm paraphrasing, Bitch, please. I am patient. I watch. I wait. Eventually, everything comes to me. So he was convinced. He's like, all right, dude, you win. All right, that's scary as hell to just say to me in the woods. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm a Spider-Man now. Uh, yep. The Spider-Man. <laughs> well, A. And A. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well. Warriors who wore the image of a spider reviewed as being impervious to arrows and near invincible. That's cool. Yeah, very cool. In Southwestern Native American cultures, the spider woman taught people how to weave. She can transform between spider and that of an elderly, caring grandmother. Some legends state that along with the sun, they created all life on Earth. In others, the sun god instructs her to teach the creatures of Earth how to live by guiding them through the four worlds. There are many spider grandmother stories, but she often acts as a guiding force, aiding the heroes of any particular story. But the spider grandmother is not the only spider character, which brings us to our next trickster. Iktomi. I'm assuming that's how that's pronounced. Iktomi. He converts between spider and spider-like man. Rumor has it he hatched from an egg as a fully formed human. As a man, he has slim arms and a round body, mimicking that of a spider. His clothes are made from buck and raccoon. He is devious. Slim arms and a round body. Yeah, he looks real weird. That poor guy. (laughs) This isn't what a spider looks like. (laughs) Help me. And if he's around today, he's watching like Spider-Man Far From Home. And he's like, what the fuck? This is, this is what this Spider-Man looks like. Why do I look like this? <laughs> What's wrong with my body? <laughs> Help me. No matter how I work out, it's just like I can't change my bone structure. <laughs> Why is this my life? Well, one common story is that Iktomi came across a buffalo skull. And inside, he heard mice having a party. Oh, That's nice. a thing. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> he was, wanted to be invited. Yeah. Well, yeah, he did. He absolutely did want to be invited. He tried to get the mice to invite him to the party, <laughs> but now waiting for an invite, he's impatient. Yeah. He shoved his head inside the buffalo skull. This, of course, freaked the mice out. Yeah. Like, what? And they ran out of there, and the buffalo skull got stuck in his head. Huh. So, different stories had different solutions to this problem. He either bashed a rock against the skull, against his own head, to free himself, in the process, you know, bruising his own face because he was smashing a rock against his head. Yep. Or he put the skull and his own head in water because he was told that the water would expand the skull, but instead he just drowned. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I mean, it's not working. You can, you know, take it out. He's dedicated. He might be a jerk, but he's dedicated. Mm-hmm. No, I, this is what has to be done. Some even said he tried to burn it off, which again did not go as he would have hoped. So he's a real bonehead. Yeah, so he's he's basically a leaning team sketch right now. Yeah. He's basically acting like Wiley Coyote. Mm-hmm. But he's he's Spider Man, not a not a coyote. Iktomi, our friendly indigenous Spider Man, was son of the rock. Inyan. Inyan is the original powerful spirit in Lakota tradition. He created Maka, the earth. 
along with water and humanity. Now the creation of Maka drained Indian, and they were bound together, like soil and like Maka was like the soil, he was like the rock. Mm-hmm. So that's why soil and rock kind of go together. All right, moving on. Indian, this rock guy, mm-hmm. had another rock god. He's important. He's a big deal. Rock gods. Rock gods. Wow. Yeah. Whew. Well, he had another child besides Spider-Man. That's just what I'm calling him now. Mm-hmm. That's fine with me. All right, good. I figured you'd be decent with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Aya. Who is this guy? Who is Aya? An absolutely monstrous creature with an insatiable appetite for animals, humans, and you know what? Why not? Entire villages. Mm-hmm. Hungry boy. He is. What does he transform into? Thunderstorms, tornadoes, snowstorms, hurricanes. He is a behemoth of terror. And while his forms are usually faceless, that is not always the case. Hmm. Hmm. There are a bunch of hunters. Doing what hunters do. Hunting? You know, yeah, making with the hunt. Okay. When they heard distressed crying from the tall grass. One hunter leaned down and picked up an infant having a bad time. So just a baby in the grass. Yeah. So he just chucked it over there. The huntsman noticed his cries were strong, as if the baby had the inherent strength of a warrior, and it was decided that they should take him back to their camp and see what the chief wished to do about him. The chief, a kind man, and assuming she was cool with this too, decided that he would allow his daughter to adopt the child, and they had a great feast and celebration. Because now he's a grandpa. I have a grandpa now. Yeah. Badass. Sweet. One of the men outside of the chief's teepee whispered, I'm paraphrasing here. Hey, guys, I've heard like, you know, it's just a rumor, but still, you know, that, um, well, sometimes um, evil spirits enter camps as small children in order to, you know, destroy them. To which everyone else responded, we want to leave this tiny baby in the woods? Yeah. You coward. Yeah, what? He's like, I heard this, I heard this thing, though, guys. It's like the exact thing I heard. They're like, get fucked. This is the chief's grandpa, grandson. You're gonna fuck this. You don't give a shit about this kid's, this guy's grandson. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that's not what I said. I'm just saying. Just saying, I heard some stuff. Yeah, just it's something to be aware of. You pussy. You don't care about babies. That's not what I said. <laughs> <laughs> well, the camp had their party, and the chieftain's newly adopted grandson rested. As she held the child in her lap, his daughter thought she heard a muttering of voices from the sky through the dwelling smoke hole. They grew louder and louder. Uh Uh-oh. She yelled to her father to investigate. He did so, but found nothing of significance. No one was approaching, yet the volume of the voices escalated and continued to escalate. It's fine. It's probably fine. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Nothing about this is weird. We're just having a party. Yeah, it's cool. Well, she looked down at her new son, who she was holding, and discovered the voices were coming from the child's open mouth. That's probably not good. Mm. Her father leaned over the child and heard a tribe within, singing, dancing. An army may very well lay inside, as quietly as possible. So at this point, somebody's probably telling the other guy, like, hey. Hey, remember what I said? Yeah, I don't want to say I told you so, but like, they're like, God damn it, Carl. Mm-hmm. Way to go, Carl. Yeah, Carl, fine. All right. Okay. So the camp folded up their wigwams, collapsed their teepees, and left no trace they were ever there. The next morning, the baby woke up because, of course, you know, they just left him there. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, no. <clears throat> and upon realizing that he was now alone, Aya cast aside his disguise. Now living in his true, horrible form, he lumbered forward on two small legs, barely capable of supporting said form. He's got like long arms and he's little tiny legs. He just looks like this huh. horrible creature. He cursed the tribe for abandoning him and decided he would eat them by daylight. He swam up a river and upon discovering the tribe who had abandoned him because they had resettled upstream, he set out to destroy them, but was met with warriors supporting long knives. What was he doing when he was in the baby form? I think he was like playing like the long game. Hmm. So like, either way, he's gonna destroy them. They basically, yeah, oh yeah, he's gonna destroy them. He's gonna wipe them out. So like they kind of foiled him. He's like, fuck this. Mm-hmm. 
the problem was like when he snores as a baby, he sounds like an army. Yeah. You're like, ah, that's not normal. <laughs> nope. He's like, shoot. Should have had my CPAC mask on or whatever they were to help with breathing at nighttime. Yeah. But he didn't because he was Native American child. He was actually an evil god. Well, these warriors with their long knives, they laughed at his feeble appearance and slayed the beast. Aya the camp eater died. Did he? Or did he? Oh. Huh. Now, this needs to be clarified. Aya and Inyan can be used interchangeably for rock. So even though Aya is like the camp eater, which, I mean, imagine that story is like a movie. Mm-hmm. Like actually played out with characters and stuff. That'd be fucking awesome to watch. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Especially this horrible creature and this baby they find. And get the, all the all the heartstrings. You even have the guy who's like the old man in the horror movie being like, that's bad news, guys. Yeah. Can't be doing that. It's like, ah, it's fine. It's fine. It's, don't worry about it. But I and Indian can be used interchangeably for rock. Mm-hmm. And many different tribes had many different versions or similar versions, but not the same takes on different allegories. Like any people's belief systems across groups were not 100% unified because every little original group had its own story and well similar obviously duh they were still different mm-hmm. alright so this brings us to the final tale the final story which kind of puts some of these characters into a little um, into a little um, extravagant fun time that's, Par- what, that's, party what, time. that's what we call this yeah this is party time because I bet you didn't know, but Coyote and Ectomi are buddies. And Coyote and Ectomi were strolling about chit-chatting. So Coyote and Spider-Man were having a good time when they came across a rock. The rock. Aya. They both could tell that this rock had power. Coyote was like, hey, dude. He's saying this to the rock. Hey, dude, take my blanket. Now you won't feel cold, rock friend. Mm-hmm. The story I read called him rock friend, and I like that a lot. Rock friend. Hey, rock friend, take this blanket. This is my blanket. He covered the rock in his blanket. Iktomi was like, wow, you're feeling generous today. Just giving away your blanket to this rock. Wow. Yeah. Coyote said, it's no big deal. I give stuff away all the time. It's what I do. Plus, Aya looks really good in my blanket. <laughs> uh-huh. So Iktomi said, like, you mean his blanket. He's like, oh, I'll go out and give it away. Yeah, it's his blanket, okay. Mm-hmm. The duo kept walking, and were met with a sudden rainstorm that quickly turned to hail, which became slush. The team took cover in a cave, which was also terribly wet and unfortunately cold. Keep in mind, a guy just gave away his blanket. Mm-hmm. To a rock. Yeah, well, what does Coyote have to say about this? <clears throat> I want my blanket back. Yeah, sure wish I didn't give my blanket to that rock. Coyote may have thought. Iktomi was nice and snug. He was wrapped in his buffalo robe. He was doing fantastic. Yeah. It's like, I didn't give this to a fucking rock, dude. Coyote leaned over to Iktomi. Psst, hey, spider dude. You mind running back to Aya and getting my blanket? He's a rock. He doesn't need a blanket. He was fine without it. Well, Iktomi went back to Aya and said, Hey, hey, dude, hey, rock friend, can I have that blanket back? I think that went. Uh, Probably not well. It's like, it's my blanket. Yeah. I'm a rock. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's like, nah, man, I like it. What is given is given. I kept that quote. It's very profound. Mm -hmm. What's given is given, man. All right. Iktomi's like, all right, cool. He went back to Coyote and said that I was keeping it. Coyote lashed out. He didn't pay for that blanket. Again, referring to the rock who he gave it to. He didn't work for it. How ungrateful. Let me talk to him. Tommy's like, hey, man, he's a powerful rock. Maybe you should just, like, we sense his energy, right? Maybe you should just let him have the blanket. Yeah. Just like, let this is a loss. Let it go. Well, so Coyote went to Aya, the rock. It's a little bold here. Mm-hmm. What do you need a blanket for? Give it back. I was like, nah, dude, what is given is given. It's given is given. It's mine. It's a good lesson. You're a bad rock, Coyote said. But I did not seem to care that Coyote may freeze to death. He did not give it back. No, I mean, he's comfy. Snug. Snug it. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> just snug as a bug. Yeah, snug as a bug. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start telling people, yeah, I'm as warm as a rock in a blanket. <laughs> like, what are you saying? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's an old proverb. Not I giving it to Coyote. Yeah, what's given I'm is comfy. G- <laughs> yeah, what's given is given. Well, why are you saying all these things to me? This is how I live my life. This is how I live my life. Why do you, why do you talk like this? What's wrong with you? <laughs> why do you, do you hit your head? I'm pretty sure I've been asked that before. Why do you talk like this? <laughs> what is your problem? All right, well, again, I did not give it back. So Coyote grabbed it and ripped it away from Aya and left. He's like, the end. Oh, that's not the end. Not even close. Mm-mm. The rock retorted. Redemption arc. Coyote, or, yeah. That's not the phrase, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, we're getting to a thing. Yeah. Right, payback. Mm-hmm. Coyote returned. Keep in mind, the rock didn't ask for this blanket. No. He's like, I'm just here being a rock. It's like, oh, this rock looks so good in my blanket. <laughs> you can have it. Yeah, you can just, I don't need this. Ten seconds later, fuck, I need my blanket. Fucker took my blanket. <clears throat> Coyote returned to the cave. Well, he got there. It stopped raining. So now the duo, the Spider-Man and the Coyote, told me they were now enjoying the sunlight outside the cave, eating some goods, when they heard a loud rumbling. You hear that? Coyote said. Oh, yeah. Iktomi's talking to his buddy. It's fine. Yeah, it's getting closer. Yeah, it's okay. Coyote in his warm blanket in the sunlight. I wonder what that is. Coyote pondered. <laughs> Tommy's just like, hmm. I mean, man, <laughs> I'm pretty certain I know it's coming. Yeah. I think I know where this, I think I know where this journey leads. I think we're about to get rocked. Yeah, we're going to rock so hard. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, how good is that blanket um, about deflecting against rocks? Well, Obviously, it was Aya, and he was tumbling straight towards them with murder on his mind. The duo dove into the river, hoping Aya could not follow, but they discovered he floated as if he was made of wood. Again, he Wait. was... A, yeah, <laughs> he's a powerful rock. Yeah. All right. They hopped out of the river and ran into the woods. But Aya came barreling at them and shattered every tree in his path. That's intense. That's scary. That guy's not messing around. <laughs> That's so scary. I want my fucking blanket. <laughs> Come here. I'm coming. They reached an open clearing. And at this point, Iktomi had a sudden realization that he had other pressing matters to attend to. So he rolled, <laughs> up, he rolled up into a ball, transformed into a spider, and just jumped in a hole. He's like, shit, man, you know, I actually don't need to deal with this right now. I, no. I have some videotapes I need to return. Yeah, he this- just dips. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, he's lay fees. I got to avoid this shit. You have videotapes? Yeah, it's, those don't exist yet. Yeah. Just, <laughs> don't worry yeah, about just, it. I, I can see the future. I just got to, I'm going to turn them before I'm late, before I even rent these and want to return them. Just, yep. just enjoy yourself. This is my fucking problem, man. Why'd you, come on, man. I told, told you to let him have the blanket. Now I got to go return my videotapes. You got to do this on your yeah. own. All right. Good luck, dude. He's like, boo. <laughs> I'm out. Well, I was unrelenting. Despite his best efforts, Coyote could not escape and was crushed by him. Aya rolled right over him. And Aya took his blanket off the flattened Coyote and rolled about his merry way. <laughs> so now I imagine a rock with like a little cape. And he's like, hey. <laughs> It's just like a super rock. Yeah. I'm here. I'm here. I'm a rock. I'm warm. Yeah, so Coyote's on the ground. He's going to hit with a rock bottom. He smashed. He got hit with a rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he ain't smelling any poontang pie, that's for sure. He's tasting taken out of the game. Jabroni. <laughs> Moments later, a rancher came upon Coyote's corpse. The rancher? Poked uh, it. No, well, yeah, probably. <laughs> oh. And then after poking it, what a nice rug! Because it's like flattened like cartoon stuff. <laughs> Looks like a flattened out cartoon coyote rug, uh-huh. and he's just there, dead. The rancher was excited. He took... The rug home and lay it in front of his fireplace. Now, coyote is no normal coyote. So, it, but it took it did it did in fact take the entire night for him to recompose himself. Mm-hmm. And upon doing so, he scurried away. He's, He's like, like Shh. "Son of a bitch, God!" 
forgot my lost my blanket. As he starts to become a being again, as he unflattens himself and then he runs away. Now this story is obviously about not being an asshole. Mm-hmm. It teaches, you know, I mean the lesson is pretty self-explanatory. What is given? It's given. What is given is given. It's kind of a pretty metal saying too. You can make it real scary. Mm-hmm. What is given is given. It teaches you to always be generous and kind. In all times, not just when you have a plethora of wealth. Because that's like, oh, yeah, I'm living good. I got this thing. I'm pretty rich right now with my blanket. I don't need it. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he, you know, is struggling, fuck everybody. Give me what's mine. Mm-hmm. Give it away, dude. Why'd you do that? Now, this is just a brief glimpse of a few of the more common Transformer characters in Native American lore, stretching from the Pacific Northwest to the American Southwest and perhaps everywhere in between. But there are several important spirits all across the Native American pantheon of beliefs. Now, these Transformers don't turn into planes or semi-trucks, but many other tales can still be used to address the human condition to this day. Now, in conclusion, what if I told you that much like the Autobots and Decepticons, in ancient Native American lore, throughout many cultures, two warring factions have been waging or have waged war, all-out war, against each other, with humanity caught in the balance. What if I told you that's a thing? Hmm. Do you want to hear about it? Yeah. What if I told you this was the war between the heroic Thunderbirds and the evil Horned Serpents? Wait, what? Yeah, boom. Okay. <clears throat> These horrible snakes or reptilian monsters that live in the ocean want to destroy humanity and take over the world, but the Thunderbirds, acting as humanity's protector, keep them at bay. They are the only reason mankind has not been dominated by the evil Horned Serpents. Well, that's, that's a different take on Thunderbirds than I'm used to. How do you feel about that? So they're, when they're picking up people and flying away with them, they're saving them. <clears throat> well, <laughs> <laughs> possibly. This is more of the um, the uh, religious aspect of said Thunderbirds as opposed to the just the, the straight up giant birds. Like, <laughs> fuck you, man, I'm getting you. Oh, yeah. Okay. But in many of these, cult, like, there's a bunch of them where the Thunderbirds battle serpents or monsters that live in the ocean. Like, it's a constant thing. That's pretty cool. It is very cool. Now, last week... We dabbled in the concept of reptoids and ancient and or extraterrestrial reptile creatures controlling the world and trying to wipe out humanity. Mm-hmm. Why do we just dabbled though? Why do so many cultures believe the world was once ruled by reptilian monsters? And if these creatures can truly shapeshift, are we living in a world already ruled by transformers? Oh no. Maybe the world as we know it is as screwed up as it is because the Thunderbirds left us. Where'd they go? What if they gave up on us and stopped being our protectors? Or perhaps even worse, the reptilians have finally defeated them. That's why they've infiltrated our government? They've already won. Shit. Because there's no Thunderbirds. (laughs) Think about it. Or maybe... Because Thunderbirds can remove their beaks like masks and take their feathers off like blankets to walk amongst mankind as humans. The Thunderbirds are merely biding their time, letting the evil horned serpents show all their cards, and then, and only then, the Thunderbirds will strike, and good will prevail, and mankind will be saved. That's good. I like that. Yeah, little covert war. Thunderbirds are just waiting. Mm -hmm. So then my question is, like, how... All right, Thunderbirds, how bad's it got to get? Yeah. What are you waiting for? What do you need? The lizard people to expose themselves. (laughs) Right. Let it out. They need to slip up. Well, the horned serpents are said to live in the depths of the sea. And we know how unexplored the ocean is. What is truly down there? Talk about a lot. Mm -hmm. What's down there? I, I I don't know. I don't know. Never been. Well, maybe is it a horned reptile civilization waiting to conquer the world above? Was the lost city of Atlantis populated by horned serpent dragon men who now plot beneath the depths? Or the Thunderbirds sunk their city? Yeah, boom, <laughs> bitch, done. Or different, different way to take this. Or what if the reptile threat is no longer a threat at all, and has it been a threat for sixty-five million years? Oh shit. 
What if the threat was truly diminished before it began? Now, the Thunderbirds are said sometimes in some legends to live on a mountain in the sky. So, well, what if the Thunderbirds dropped their enormous mountain upon the Earth in what would amount to a modern-day final nuclear strike, ending the age of the dinosaurs? Mutual destruction? Mm -hmm. And cementing the rule of mankind once and for all. Or, a lot of ors here. Since birds (laughs) are descended from dinosaurs, what if the war between the Thunderbirds and sea serpents much like the Autobots and Decepticons, was a civil war between one species, the sea and the sky, military hardware, and consumer goods. These are all fun maybes. Just a little maybe, maybe Mm -hmm. in you tonight. Maybe. But again, just maybe, everything we may think or consider as real is truly more than meets the eye. Thunderbirds (laughs) in disguise. Huh. Let's think about which one of those worlds do we live in? A lot of scenarios I threw at you there. Yeah. Quite a few cool ones. I like the one where the, the Thunderbirds decided to do mutually assured destruction and just drop their entire <laughs> planet, basically, on the lizard people. Yeah, that, that doomsday scenario was inspired by, I don't know how much you've dealt with, uh, you know, Mobile Suit Gundam. Uh, zero. Well, basically, it's the Earth people versus the space people. Okay. And the space people want to, they're sick of the Earth people. So what they do is they take, and I'm condensing it down very simply, but they take one of their giant space colonies and just launch it into Australia and blow up the whole continent. They use they use the place where people live as a weapon. But that's... It's wild. So then Earth is like fucked, obviously, because that's like an asteroid hitting the Earth like when the dinosaurs died, mm-hmm. which leads to not a good planet, and there's a lot of bad stuff that happens after that. But Huh. Yeah, so... Thunderbirds pulled the move out of the Principality of Xeon. Just saying. Strapping lots of shit all over the place. Yeah. <coughs> Strapping yeah. knowledge. Yeah, right? But yeah, just fun with Transformers of all kinds. Mm-hmm. Stuff I wanted to get to a while ago when I just, you know, had the opportunity to just kind of dive in. And I mean, there's so many Native American legends. I mean, and these are just summaries and stuff. Buying books, reading actual stories and actual accounts of people. Mm-hmm. It would be fantastic. Yep. But uh, yeah, so that was that. That's cool. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> well, what's also fun, I mean, you know how to reach us. Email us at weirdandfeardpodcast at gmail.com. We're on all the social medias. We're on the Patreon. Weird and Feared No Spaces. You know where to find us. Mm-hmm. And you know what to do. Yeah. You know what you do? Stay spooky. Stay spooky. <laughs>